listen to the Black Guy Who Tips podcast because Rod and Karen are hot. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Black Guy Who Tips. I'm your host Rod, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Karen. And today there's no rap intro. There's no uh, witty upfront. Um, we are actually uh, putting a previously recorded episode of Medium Talk, my spinoff show. There's an interview show with our girl tia oso who is an activist um and um like a public figure and a bunch of other stuff i mean she's just she's out in these streets okay yes. doing the work um at any rate um tragedy befell her um her family home man and uh, a monsoon storm uh destroyed uh her home her family's home and you know she's been trying to get that fixed up and stuff and um i put a link to the gofundme that she has for raising funds to try to you know help get this uh get her home restored and her family taken care of because you know people don't have anywhere to stay um and i know people in communities are coming together to help which is so beautiful and i thought you know what we did a great interview uh a while a while ago it's just me and her no karen uh but uh it was it was a great interview a while ago and she's one of those people that i'm like yo i hope uh our audience can maybe uh go out there and help if if you can um you know we talk about activists all the time and how they do so much stuff and it's almost like a thankless job come on you know when you need something all of a sudden it's like what the fuck is this right mm-hmm. um anyway man she was a great interview i think you guys are gonna enjoy it just based off of that we talked for a long time I normally only schedule these things for an hour and we end up talking almost two hours. We had such a good time. Um, so, uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, it will, we'll play it right after, uh, this little intro here. Uh, thank you so much and don't forget to leave feedback, um, on theblackoutist.com. Mm-hmm. Don't forget you guys can, um, uh, email us all that type of stuff. Leave us five star reviews. We appreciate it. Right. Takes time out to do that. We do. And, uh, with no further delay, enjoy this interview with tia also and if if you can if you have the means um and you can put a little something on it i'm sure it's extremely expensive to fix what's going on with her house right um like i it when you go to the gofundme and you see that first picture you're gonna be like okay what the hell right so um yeah man if, if, if you guys can chip in um, every little bit counts and uh spread the word share the campaign online and stuff like that with your social media all right guys enjoy this interview and uh, if you're premium and you heard it already before listen again or we'll talk to you tomorrow if you're not premium hey this is what premium sounds like this is one of the yes, many shows that we have um and uh yeah everybody else thank you one two three four medium talk <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
special guest today um i first came across this woman uh by looking at uh twitter um when bernie sanders was speaking at netroots and um that was uh during a uh a protest action and um i went who is this with this fro uh <laughs> on this stage like black power fist in the air i said who is that and um uh and people that know the history of the show uh and, and and twitter and stuff uh know that i made a joke about bernie being so black because yes. there was a pushback towards these activists who were speaking out about black lives matter and say her name and people got so frustrated and mad at them and, I, and they were just bernie march with king and so that started like a whole thing and but since that time i followed her on twitter and um you know just really been uh uh blown away by her mind and uh i always love you know uh getting her opinion on things uh it's tia also what's going on tia hey rod i'm so excited to be on the show today thanks for having me oh no thank you uh for coming on like i said uh i've been uh just secretly stalking you for for like two years now <laughs> so uh, i'm happy to, to finally um you know uh talk face to face so to speak um so uh you guys can find her work tia oso.net uh you can also follow her on twitter like i do it's at tia underscore oso um and and by the way when i followed you i still remember being like how does she not have like a million followers like this is like twitter's just not a meritocracy is what i'm saying guys Uh (laughs) (laughs) it's really not a meritocracy and then funny thing about that i had another like a personal twitter and then i made that the twitter account i use now um after i went to like a job search clinic and they were saying you got to have a professional twitter and so i had more followers on my other twitter like my you know not politically correct twitter and then after we did the netroots action you know i put one little tweet up like a little hint that it's about to go down and it just blew up and so now 
um, it's growing. I haven't really tried to cultivate a following. And so I feel like, you know, every follower I get is organic. And so that makes me feel good. Yeah, you got, um, and you have the blue check mark, but you know, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, as a person of the check mark, uh, blue you know. check official. Yeah. It's like a fraternity. <laughs> Us checkies, you know, we like to talk to each <laughs> other checkies, from time yes. to time. And, uh, but yeah, it, I'll tell you guys something. It ain't what it's cracked up to be. Like you end really up on not. a lot of people's list that you're like, oh no, I wish you didn't know I existed. Uh, right right. you get on people's radar sometimes it's cool like there are other you know blue check people that i feel like you know i get to interact with and i wouldn't if i didn't have a blue check and then there's you know the random trolls that pop i was like how you don't have nothing else to do today oh my goodness yeah i have so many filters on at this point i'm just like i hope people i love aren't trying to contact me (laughs) and getting filtered out because i just can't take these folks um so tia um what led you to like activism as like a, a cause and a lifestyle and all that stuff like where what's the origin story behind all that so my roots in activism really have to do with um uh, number one being born and raised in mesa arizona which for people who are not familiar you know arizona is a red state and mesa is a very conservative place where the people um who control it are mormon conservative Mm. uh people and so very um and very white just you know to put it plainly and so the neighborhood that i grew up in um was a historically segregated area basically there was like the city line and then the unincorporated territory and they made all of the colored people live in the unincorporated territory <laughs> they called it north town mm. it's so like that's where um my grandparents and my mom um were raised up and so i was raised with kind of this you know awareness of like look this is where we live this is why you know this neighborhood is all black and brown um and then my mom ellen Oso, she was an acorn organizer and just really active in the community and so she instilled in me the idea that um if you want a change to happen you have the power i have the power and i have the voice to speak up and defend myself and also you know she raised me and my siblings to be that way because of how really hostile you know looking back she didn't use those words but the hostility of like growing up in a white supremacist environment is like you have to know how to speak up for yourself because these white individuals will try to take your humanity from you at every turn and so i had to use my voice to speak up for myself many times even as just a child um in the public school system there and i have a kind of a natural inclination towards um standing up for what's right i was a tattletale growing up so if i I felt like something wasn't right or something was wrong or i heard somebody you know telling a fib i would be naturally just out of my on my own accord be like no this is not what happened this is what happened (laughs) yeah we have a natural disdain for the tattletale and like even adults push that down on us like it's children like don't be a tattletale but but at the same time we're constantly like stand up for what's right don't let anybody bully you don't like such a mixed message which is it so i didn't have the this i grew up you know in the 80s before the stop snitching 
you know, campaign. Mm-hmm. So I was, uh, my nickname was Record, Rewind, and Replay. I would literally tell the truth and the whole truth at any given moment. Like I had no <laughs> filter. So, um, yeah, that's really how, like that, my natural inclination and then just how I was raised and being in a hostile environment, you know, it's enough to radicalize anybody who's, you know, just even a little bit conscious. Um, and then as a teenager, I got involved with, um, kind of, you know, diversity and inclusion and leadership development programs. And then, um, in 2010, I was working in the arts and like public arts advocacy and doing independent artist shows and just a part of that world. And, um, when SB 1070 hit, just me and my roommates, you know, two other black girls, we happened to live in an area where, Joe Arpaio, the former Maricopa County Sheriff, used to do a lot of his sweeps where he would literally just, him and his sheriff deputies would just pull over any brown person and ask them about their citizenship and harass them and put them in like literal paddy wagons in the parking lot of like grocery stores on random street corners. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being an activist and just uh my volunteer time you know doing things like NAACP and other things like that I just knew that this was wrong and so I started to participate in the resistance that was happening in Arizona that was led by Latino immigrant activists um, and indigenous activists there and that is how I ended up meeting Opal Tometi who's the executive director now of Black Alliance for Just Immigration she and I became friends and a small group of us started talking about what it would look like to organize in the black community in Phoenix Mm. and then eventually um, just because of the political moment you know her activism our friendship um, I ended up becoming a volunteer and then organizing with uh, Black Alliance for Just Immigration Wow and and um there's a few things you hit on there one um how'd your mom feel about you know acorn being like attacked and defunded and all that stuff um during that scandal being that she worked for them yeah she was really upset and i love that you know my mom is not a scholar or and wasn't you know a public activist at all but her analysis was so clear about how you know the takedown of acorn was really about consolidating conservative political power mm-hmm. and also um the evidence of how liberals just lack the courage of their convictions to really stand up against really coordinated slander and smear attacks by the right wing um and you know just their unwillingness to call out the fact that you know you're targeting this organization because they have a in within their base is you know grassroots um poor folks people of color and the fact that Acorn was taken down the way that it was and so swiftly and with no plan of action to replace or, you know, regroup, um, she was like, you know, this is just a way to weaken the progressive movement. And she was right about that. Yeah, I, it was, it's weird because um, uh, I feel like liberals or uh, uh, like uh, I guess the left or whatever is kind of um, like Batman where, they, so. <laughs> you know, like they won't kill and they have rules and they won't violate the rules. And like at the end of the day, there's a respect to be had for the fact that you stand by your integrity and shit. But at the same time, there's like a, um, it's like, but you're losing, you know, <laughs> like, like, yeah, the, it's the, not <laughs> tactical. So you have to have, you can have morals, but you also have to have tactics and right. strategy. Um, and, 
having the moral high ground but seeding actual material ground right right, in the fight for justice um to me it is it's admirable morally and also i live in the marginalized community that could really use a strong political voice right 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 i'd rather win you know like uh batman like batman beats up the joker and he never kills him so morally he's right but then the joker's back out there killing people right so like i i'd rather win than be kind of uh well listen it was kind of offensive what she said so we're gonna shut down i mean we you know i remember when van jones got uh let go man right and i'm like but he didn't really say nothing that wasn't true like it wasn't that bad and now you look at you know the current occupants of the white house and the things that are constantly said and you're like they they just care about winning and unfortunately i feel like it takes that sort of uh push back on the other side in order to uh, gain any ground you know exactly and if you notice like the van jones is an excellent example i think there are other examples of the kind of political casualties that the left and liberals are willing to make um which is you know even touching on the net roots action and the whole context of that and where we are now the problem is not that um van jones actually was an issue the problem is that in order to try to appeal to middle american values and people's low um sensibilities and understanding of uh politics they were willing to sacrifice van jones they were willing to sacrifice you know reverend jeremiah Wright because what the coded language and the attacks on those activists and those individuals is about being strong and black and political. Mm -hmm. And you have to be palatable and black and political to a certain extent, the higher that you go up with the democratic party. And so again, it making those types of concessions without having a plan on how to, you know, invest in your base and strengthen your base all you're doing is seeding ground and seeding territory Mm -hmm. so now van jones is a pundit and an activist and you know is in a whole different orientation to political activism and resistance work when if he had been able to remain in the cabinet of the white house who knows what types of like deeply entrenched policy there would be on the behalf of the most marginalized in our community and so that is really kind of textbook of what's wrong with liberalism is that you're trying to play the middle you actually don't want to strongly represent or defend my best interest Mm -hmm. if it's going to mean that you ruffle the feathers of other white people right there's no there's no middle on some of this stuff and exactly um there's become like this false uh like i call it uh performative impartiality right where yes um, we have to do the well i mean it's not like trump voters are always wrong or something like that you know like well well, sometimes people do the right thing or let's bring on a, a known bigoted racist like jeffrey lord and have him have him argue with van jones every day mm-hmm. of the week for an hour and you're like these things aren't act like these aren't actual two level talking uh playing fields where people are both using facts and stuff this is more just us pretending that they're that we can have a conversation when there's no conversation to be had and i feel like um that is something that uh as a you know lifelong uh 
a person that is going to always probably vote democrat till i die because of uh you know the way things are set up in this country um (laughs) the way my country is set up like i'll probably the way my country is set up you know it's gonna be a a democrat (laughs) left-leaning vote (laughs) right yeah like it's gonna be real hard i can't ever see myself pulling the lever for a republican um but like it's kind of um frustrating because uh like i said these conversations quote-unquote uh, that play out uh it does feel like uh the left loses ground and it's hard to uh to to defend any of this stuff um speaking of which um you know uh you brought up sb 1070 um and for people that don't know what sb 1070 is can you kind of like explain uh what it was for uh, arizona yeah so sb 1070 was a piece of legislation passed in the arizona state legislature that made it uh a a state level felony to be undocumented so to you know not have uh been naturalized or have some type of legal immigration status um current and and then it also made it uh compulsory for law enforcement officers if they suspected for any reason that you might be in the country undocumented to question you about your citizenship and it authorized law enforcement officials to question people's citizenship um it did a lot of other things it made it um they made restrictions on what types of state benefits people who are undocumented were able to access different types of contracts and things and um what a lot of your listeners might not know just an education point is that the american legislative exchange council or alec which is a national uh policy um think tank organization that lobbies and helps to fund a lot of conservative legislators across the country that piece of legislation was written and crafted by ALEC um, and in particular um, Chris Kobach who is now uh, the person who's over our voting rights in this country um, SB 1070 is a piece of legislation that came out of that conservative uh, policy mill at ALEC and Arizona because it has a supermajority GOP legislature is a testing ground for a lot of conservative legislation because they're able to get anything that they would like passed. And so SB 1070 was one of those bills that they floated in Arizona and got passed in, um, you know, in order to try to make people's lives, you know, live in hell, quite frankly. It's yeah. not really because Arizona was so overrun by uh, undocumented immigrants on welfare that, you know, the <laughs> government was being bled dry. Right. It's about controlling people who are not white men. Yeah, you know, um, the thing, too, is um, it's a uh, unifying issue for whiteness, right? Like, yeah, hey, here is another that we can um pick on and then there's people that you know normally wouldn't even be interested in this stuff that are like oh someone i can blame for everything wrong in my life or someone that i can feel superior to well yeah i'm on board with this law um and and i think uh there you know it was uh you know undocumented people but you know other places it's been you know black people it's been Mm -hmm. indigenous people but it's always just like I mean, the president of the United States at this point, like, it's it's a galvanizing cause to be able to say, like, what about these other people, though? And it's like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'll tolerate you. I'll vote for you if uh, if I get to feel better than these people. Um, we covered so much if, uh, 
stuff on the show at that time for arizona i just remember it was like a running gag on the show just to be like uh like oh my god arizona they're trying to catch up with florida you know like yeah um, <laughs> it was just so it was so ridiculous but uh you know i i mean it was, it was it, i know three parts of the law was like struck down uh by a judge but still that yeah. law passed you know like it, it's just uh it sickens me but um you know it's also interesting that that was kind of a a start for your activism and it wasn't really about quote-unquote you specifically you know like a lot of people don't even really get activated into uh, that kind of stuff until it's something that's directly affecting like them in particular yeah and that is um an issue because you know, I feel like, you know, activism wise, and it's fine to be galvanized by something that impacts you directly. Um, but that's also a reason why I'm such a advocate and proponent for political education, which is the work I'm transitioning into now, because people have to understand systemic issues and they have to understand the way that things actually do affect you. And really, at the end of the day, we're all connected that, you know, society is an ecosystem there's not something happening to one person and it's not happening to me it's like actually there are impacts that are affecting everyone the reason why food prices are going up um and other issues that are connected towards us having a working well uh supplied labor industry is being affected to where you know there are farmers who don't have workers because of the attack on immigrants that doesn't have anything quote unquote to do with somebody who's not an immigrant but it does because i also would like to have affordable food you know yes, <laughs> so, yes. um sb 1070 was really personal to me not only because I grew up in a heavily you know Latino neighborhood um, but also because legalized racial profiling isn't going to be good for anybody who's not white Mm -hmm. and I could see the writing on the wall that if we allow them to pass this law just because white people are white people are very good at um, dog whistles and so just because somebody is saying Mexicans 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 we got to get rid of them they didn't write the law against like SB 1070 they didn't write that law against Mexicans it said if you are suspected of being in the country illegally then the law enforcement officer has the license to harass you that sounds like racial profiling that Mm -hmm. is racial profiling because how else can that law be interpreted and it's not that they're like people don't know there are mad undocumented canadians and Mm -hmm. irish people all over the country even in arizona nobody's ever going to ask them whether or not exactly. they're a citizen because this is the united states right exactly and then you know as a black person i'm just worried that you know i say the wrong thing and all of a sudden i start looking a little bit mexican to this dude or whatever you know like <laughs> exactly. you know like oh boy you got some mouth on you like, i feel like you might not be from here you know I feel like you might not be from around here and then you know if you talk to black immigrant folks that is what happens is you know they start speaking with their accent and the next thing you know depending on the officer who they're interacting with the next thing you know they are getting questioned right exactly so that but i you know that uh that intersectionality though like to be motivated by not just your plight but just uh also the the connection back to uh what will eventually come to you because i feel like that too like um i remember during the 2016 election people being like you know 
i don't like hillary clinton which you know i understand there's a lot of people that don't like hillary clinton totally uh, <laughs> like i'm not gonna fight you on that uh but i was like yes but trump is is just worse like at least for the things i believe in i can't imagine letting an open bigot into an office exactly. i just i just couldn't i just i personally couldn't do it but i remember being like um even if i were to see that hillary clinton is racially problematic towards black people therefore uh whatever policy she was gonna pass or whatever would be equally as bad to to trump let's i'm not i, I don't think that's the truth but let's say i i did think that was the truth I still have all these other people that exist that I know are going to be affected negatively because their policies do differ, right? So it's like at this point, I'm not even really voting for myself. Like I'm like right, you're voting as, for the greater good. Yeah, I don't want to live in a world where I have to watch the progress that was made in eight years for trans people, for um, for LGBTQ marriage equality, for. Uh, for uh you know um the environment right like i just didn't want to right like (laughs) like i care about flint uh i don't live there but i care like i I can't you know and i I feel like um i don't know maybe we've kind of lost that a little bit or maybe we never really had that but um some of the discussion around it it's almost like um and and maybe as a matter of fact this will be my next question like i think social media kind of changed us a little bit in that we all get to kind of be the star of our own reality show and our own pulpit Mm. and we all get to like soapbox for ourselves sometimes and i think um we can become myopic that way where it's like well this is how i feel so then f everybody else and you know like this is my issue and my issue is the most important so nobody else's issue should matter um have you felt like social media change um uh activism or change the way people feel about it uh in the time that you uh since like sb10 and whatnot yeah definitely i think i love the potential for social media and the way that social media has allowed me to uh be conscious of and also in some ways support uh, activism and on causes that i'm not directly impacted by and also in areas um, where I don't live physically. So, you know, I learned about, um, the killing of Oscar Grant in Oakland. I learned about that from Twitter. Um, you know, the hashtag was now, you know, hashtag Black Lives Matter, um, and other, you know, issues, fees must fall, like in South Africa. I think that without social media, I know that without social media, I wouldn't have been as aware of these issues and I wouldn't have been able to connect and amplify and in sometimes, you know, participate in, um, activism and, uh, digital, you know, advocacy. Um, but also, and also social media, the kind of the legitimacy, you know, the way that I feel like our, uh, human interaction works and the way that our brains work, when you see something written down or said, you know, on a video that's coming through a platform, it legitimizes it in a way Mm. to you in a way that, you know, somebody, on you know on social media <laughs> on social media it's like a street corner you know proselytizer and a pastor on the same like equal footing <laughs> equal <laughs> <playing> field. <laughs> yes yes and so it's almost like and it's not that you know different voices shouldn't be amplified and validated 
I just think that our we weren't prepared to develop the kind of critical thinking and analysis and filters to be able to really sort information. And so that's what we see happening now with, you know, the way that uh, Steve Bannon and, you know, the Russian operatives are able to manipulate uh, people's attitudes during the elections is that the legitimacy that's given to every voice that people come across means that if I can get it in front of your eyes, I can capture your attention, right? And so that is the, the danger is not the social media itself. The danger is people's lack of critical thinking skills and people's um, the kind of tendency to see something that is popular or how many retweets or how many likes um and then also the echo chamber because it's who you follow right Right. so you're curating the information um and so it's a kind of a perfect storm of uh helping to kind of make it seem as though there's a certain opinion or a certain sentiment that really isn't true or representative the other thing about social media is that yes there are millions of users but I don't know that it's actually representative of the average person. Right. There are many people who aren't on social media or they don't use it to talk politics. Right. Um, that I think that we really just don't know what their opinions really are. And we also don't know whether or not they could be persuaded differently if we're only using, you know, social media type platforms to interact with folks, to educate folks, to have public discourse. You know, there used to be a lot more uh, kind of venues for political discourse. Like I was, um, you know, we were interacting on Twitter a little bit mm-hmm. about, you know, public debate. There used to be a lot more public debate. There used to be a lot more lectures. There used to be a lot more television programs where people would, you know, there's something to be said for talking quietly. People used to like actually talk quietly mm-hmm. in dialogue, you know, on mainstream primetime television. And it's not that they weren't having differing opinions or that everybody was a scholar. You know, they had Muhammad Ali um you know often on uh primetime television there used to be a a, op- a more open venue for uh, logical discourse mm-hmm. and then that is what i think helps people to be able to make up their own minds or understand issues in a different way and social media and the kind of outrage politics and ratings um you know manipulation that um, the mainstream, you know, uh, media outlets do, I think has contributed to, you know, what the state of things are now. Yeah. You know, um, that's a great point about the, uh, open public debate too, because, um, while there would be some gatekeeping, obviously to like who gets to be on TV and who decide, well, you know, like, oh, I took a liking to, um, uh, this particular person. So that person gets to be on TV all the time or whatever. Right. But um, in general, we have gone away from that. I wonder how much of that is because now there's so much more competition for eyes. Like um, mm-hmm. um, everything's so monetized. Everything's such a spectacle. I mean, exactly news, that monetization, that capitalism. Yeah, like news has changed over our lifetime, right? Like, yeah, there was a, a, a time when you may have like a, a sit down kind of in uh interaction of let's bring on these two black people and they're gonna discuss this uh these current events or whatever and if that is i don't think that's as um that gives as much attention now as if well let's bring on jeffrey lord and have him argue with van jones that clip will go viral Mm -hmm. you know so i feel like the sensationalism around it 
uh because they are selling ads they are you know that there is more competition now there's hulu netflix uh 20 there's probably like 40 or 50 uh cable tv stations now that have their own original programming i wonder how much of that is just uh kind of eroded the substance behind um you know the value i guess between behind putting something of substance on your tv you know um and i do feel like in a way like that stuff has moved to social media but as you brought up um the social media conversations are very they're very loud in their own way like people aren't they are <laughs> yeah like you're not using your actual physical voice in it but the the way people kind of attack each other and it's more about yeah. winning and it's more about um i don't know getting the most like pats on the back and retweets and stuff yeah it's yeah. very it's a very different type of arena to have a conversation in because um i feel like in real life when i disagree with people we're not well i would say for most people when i disagree with them we're not that far apart like the people right. that i do disagree <laughs> with like if like if um a perfect example is um socialism on twitter like black socialism on twitter is very like uh loud and angry to me like toward like in my mind i'm like oh god no i don't want any of that but then uh, politically socialist yeah like when people people who are claiming like i'm a socialist i'm black and i'm mad about this and i'm like Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i'm like oh no like that's what i don't want to be that if that's what that is (laughs) but then anytime i have a conversation with somebody off twitter and it's about that or if i read a book or something and i'm like oh no 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 i can get with this i i see why like i don't know that we can change our country to this like i don't know if it's possible but i definitely understand the intent and we honestly want the same things like we like i do want to live in a world where um people don't have to be poor like i don't i do want to live in a world where uh you know you're not just picking winners and losers uh money wise i do want to live in a world where i feel like marginalized people have a voice politically as well as um you know just the right to live like i don't want uh i don't want privatized prisons or like a prison industrial complex in general like Mm -hmm. you know there there's things that i'm like well yeah who would be against that i mean at least as a black person i'm like who would be against that but it's different like i said on social media when someone's like you idiot neoliberal shit it's like oh no i don't want to even talk to you about this and <laughs> right i don't even want to discuss this with you you're calling me names <laughs> right and so we are missing that like i do feel like if like if two people that are fighting on twitter sat down and were actually like had a moderated debate or panel or something i know it wouldn't look like that so um you're right that is a, i mean when you brought that up the other day i was just like yeah that that is brilliant like we've never uh we haven't had that since like james baldwin and malcolm x and um you know exactly like since the (laughs) 60s um the closest thing i was also thinking around um the kind of the hip-hop activism era in the 90s you know um interviews with like sister soldier and people like kevin powell and things like that like it hasn't been since maybe i would say the 90s where you would have like really like moderated widely you know wide public discourse on issues um and not just you know kind of sound bites yes. and um again like this back and forth i also think that i've been 
really looking into and discussing um, and trying to learn more about this intersection around like tech and social justice mm-hmm. um, because the design of platforms like Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, the monetization, the algorithms, you know, Instagram also plays into those instincts right and how our brains are wired for gratification for validation and so it there's also something to be said about the way that the platforms the way that people interact with these platforms that is also feeding into that um and you know there are people spend millions of dollars billions of dollars around manipulating that without a lot of concern i think for the consequences Mm -hmm. and i mean who knew that the fallout from having a platform like facebook i remember when facebook you know launched um and we got it at arizona state university in like 2003 2004 there's no way that i would have known then that facebook would be what it is now today and would be responsible for you know influencing public opinion about whether or not hillary clinton is a legitimate political candidate and also like they uh took out ads for black lives matter that said that show like women holding guns and stuff like listen no one could have um, listen it, who knew right who I, knew I, that you would be <laughs> able to publish baseless information and target people with it who right. knew that i thought it, what was so interesting is um uh, well, number one, uh, I think what Tia and I are both agreeing on is that uh, we missed Teen Summit. Okay, guys? BG, yes, thank Bring you. it back, okay? Bring Teen Summit back. Bring Teen Who Summit I back. Talk to? I need it, okay? I don't even care. Where's Ananda? Right, yeah, I'll take a Adult Summit. Like, you can bring the original cast back, Middle <laughs> Age Summit, and I'll still watch it. Um, Listen, I'd love <laughs> to be on an episode of Adult Summit, okay? Come on, like, I'll, I will wear my dashiki for that, guys. Um, so uh so there's um that part and then also like um the tech and the internet is a wild wild west right and um i don't think uh while i don't think these companies necessarily were malicious i think their ineptitude and just not knowing how bad things could get um is absolutely still you know like the effect is still the same like whether they mean to or not like I don't think but, um like <laughs> the thing is, mm-hmm. is somebody who's not white, right, and privileged mm-hmm. might have thought about it twice. That's exactly what I was about to say. Is <laughs> is the problem for me is that the people at the top are white men typically and the way white men see the world is mm-hmm. Richard Spencer is just as much um about freedom of speech as Tia Oso is about freedom of speech to them. Like those are just two sides of a different coin like Mm -hmm. and 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 that is how you end up with what we have is that you know twitter now is i i think right before i hopped on here uh they suspended rose mcgowan who is an actress the actress yes who's speaking out against uh harvey weinstein and hollywood and and this uh, environment that allowed this sexual predator to roam unchecked and even enabled um they suspended her why uh they just said she violated the rules she suspended for 12 hours she posted a screenshot on instagram or something right and they told her she could either delete whatever the questionable tweets they they decided were questionable or um or she could uh wait 12 hours and she could post again um that's the environment that like 
they're they don't see that as a biased environment like white men don't see that as a as an environment that favors white men the biggest sexual predator uh that is also president they've never gonna they're never gonna suspend him or they're never him. going to suspend his account right no, no matter what he says no matter what no. you know um the um jamel hill you know jamel hill gets suspended yeah. from espn and they and espn doesn't see themselves as an, as an extension of the environment by suspending a jamel hill but allowing uh sage still to talk bad about um uh people who protested at the airport when there was a ban listen when i saw those tweets i was like i don't know who sage steel is i'm not a sports fan yeah but who asked you yeah I, I right. <laughs> and and like and for the record like i like um i just find it odd that she's allowed who's a sport she's a sports personality she's right. allowed to get political in that moment uh jamel no gets political and right jamel gets political and she has to pay and they're still they don't even see that that is a biased like they see that as fairness like well you know i look she got two politicals like no she's all talking about stuff y'all don't agree with like that's not the same Um, oh my gosh i went to a um a forum recently at usc university of southern california about sports and politics and um there was an ESPN executive, I think, there also was one of the panelists. And um, I think it's so interesting that they want to say keep politics out of sports, but it's very clearly a plantation. Really, all mm-hmm. of America is a plantation set up. Mm-hmm. And the idea that there's anything neutral, I mean, it's false. Like, basically, white men set up the parameters of what's neutral, right. and they kind of locate themselves as the neutral party, mm-hmm. and everybody else is biased. Exactly. <laughs> and so that's why those algorithms are set up. I don't know, I don't know what the offending tweet was that Rose McGowan tweeted, but, I mean, there's plenty of trolls on Twitter, roaming free, and I just don't see her I literally have been problematic. I went through all her tweets and was just like, I don't see any of them. What was the problem? Like, I like I I went like it's it's yeah, but Twitter just decided at some point like these men feel attacked. You got to go. Um, yeah, basically, <laughs> it's a it's a it's like a crowdsource decision. It's like yes. oh, you got this many complaints, um, and almost like the volume of the complaints is what uh, determined that she should be yeah. uh, suspended that happens a lot on facebook where mm-hmm. it could just be a general post about mike brown should have never been murdered uh white police officers need to stop killing people indiscriminately you banned yeah what right right they're like it's racist i've been banned uh, a couple times they're like i'm like what was the one of them was like um I think I made a joke about, uh, what was it? it was something like, uh, cause I went to the, I was going to the, uh, the Negro museums, I like to call it. Um, I was going to the, the, uh, the black museum in, um, in DC and mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, when I was in there, I didn't even see like a section for the coons. And I like made a joke about like, you know, uh, I don't know, Herman Cain or something. And it was like you banned. I was like, I'm black. Like I get to say it. Like I'm not I saying. Get to say <laughs> like I don't have much in this country, but I feel like I get to be like, uh, can I say the n word? I don't feel like y'all get to tell me I can't. Like, did you name Herman Cain when you made the post? I, I probably did. I don't even remember. Uh, um, it's kind of like you was calling him a coon. Yeah. Oh, I definitely was. I mean, I, it's, I don't. 
<laughs> I mean, I understand the respectability behind it, and I understand that uh, it's offensive to some folks, and they don't like it, and I get it. But I know a white person at Facebook don't get to decide. That's all. Like, uh, <laughs> if my if my mama came on the post and said, "Rod, stop," <laughs> oh, go ahead, T. I'm sorry. So please filter my post through the black yeah yeah <laughs> the black authority figure like if my mom or my uncle wanted to hop on my page and be like hey can you stop calling people coons okay right. i get it but like if some if larry in the facebook uh the car department says i can't do it i'm like no you don't get to decide it's our word um <laughs> it, it's like um <laughs> frida on insecure when she'd be like Mm-mm, yeah. that's not cool like uh-uh frida you don't get to say it. <laughs> yeah you don't get to say it like somebody else gotta decide um but that but that is a very real thing though um because i've i mean like i said i've been banned multiple times like and sometimes it's just for like white people like white people need to do this and it's like Mm-mm, racism like racism. what <laughs> what <laughs> like we've done this country has done such a disservice because we don't educate uh anybody about racism beyond the surface and historically like the united states um racism's role in crafting the entire united states and uh politically and everything and so i feel like we are now uh seeing so many people that literally just don't know what racism is like white people don't even know what it is and they and yet they're now using they have these big platforms where there's black people on them and they have to deal with this stuff and now things are more public with social media so you can't hide your decisions anymore and we're just seeing how inept these people are because they're one they haven't been educated about it they don't want to educate themselves and they don't experience it so to them me saying stuff like um you know white people need to uh take responsibility for electing donald trump to them that's racism they think that's the same as going all black people are thugs you know like they think we're operating on an equal plane when we're not and i think that's such a uh that's a big hurdle for tech as you said um uh, when it comes to uh social justice work and stuff yeah especially because you know the 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 coders and the developers they're coming in with uh limited knowledge and are the the te- the culture in tech um and you know the kind of tech bro uh dude bro uh environment i think also kind of squelches the idea and the consciousness level so mm-hmm. people want to hold on to their idea that the definition of racism is about bad feelings and name calling mm-hmm. and not systemic um same with sexism and gender issues and so you have that coupled with there being a bias towards neutrality quote unquote and fairness and so it is just as bad for you to call somebody a white person as it is for you to call somebody a nigger and it is just false it's a false dichotomy that gets set up and Mm -hmm. there aren't um another kind of larger piece of discourse that i am very challenged and frustrated with is the idea that there are sides like there are human rights issues that we're talking about and people are you know being um activated by and the idea that there are sides um and people kind of set up these false you know oppositional um dichotomies um and give equal weight to both you know an extreme opinion and a moderate opinion are a fact and an opinion mm-hmm. as though they're equally opposable exactly. um, and give it equal weight and value is a huge issue also because you are not even able to argue our dialogue 
on uh you know in a in a genuine context right. like whether or not whether or not you are offended by my use of the term white person the use of the term white person is not and has never been derogatory right. it's a descriptor the use of the term nigger is by the very definition of it derogatory mm-hmm. how is it being weighed equally except for if the person who typed the little words in for the flagging right mm-hmm. was like oh yeah white person is just as bad <laughs> it makes you think of uh it makes me think of um the time don lemon held up a sign that said which of these is worse and there was a confederate flag and the other one said the n-word and you're like Jesus. probably <laughs> you know you probably the one you can't say on tv i would imagine the one that you can't actually put on there can't is the one that's worse i mean let's think about this um but oh, yeah I, <laughs> uh but but that is but that's that performative impartiality thing i was talking about earlier yeah yep, i like that phrase i'm gonna use that yeah man you, please have at it spread the word okay uh i i um uh i saw well, i was watching uh the daily show which i still watch and i do love and i do think uh Trevor Noah is good. He's just, he's getting there, guys. Okay. He is. He's getting there. Yeah. He's, he's new here, guys. He's a little. Right. Like, he's not American. Right. You gotta, you know, <laughs> give him a chance. <laughs> like, he gonna have his moments, y'all. Like, he gonna have his moments, but, uh. And also, I think that there's this idea that a black experience, that there is a universal black experience. Right. And so people try to question his blackness or the authenticity of his black voice. Right. And we need to really break out of that because there's a lot of ways to be black, including being, you know, a biracial South African immigrant. Like exactly. that's still, his standpoint is still valid and it's his. Right. And it doesn't take away from his blackness because he doesn't see things or view things the way that every other quote unquote black person does yeah i really enjoy the daily show with him on on it because i i said this a while ago but i feel like i'm watching someone kind of like be immersed in our culture from an outside perspective yes and he's learning real time because i see his mind trying to like figure out and um rationalize like which all of us have gone through if you're black in america you've gone through this it's just you went through this at six or yeah right when you were a small child (laughs) yeah like you didn't like he and he and i think especially since he came from a place where you did have uh racism but it was just different he he's like well no you you do these steps and you talk about it this way and you get a reconciliation panel and stuff and i'm sure there's still issues there it's not like it oh and then everything was great but in his mind he's trying to process it through the way he came up and i'm i'm watching as he kind of slowly goes oh this is a different monster um in america exactly and that's um i'm so glad that you brought that up that is really the context the lack of american understanding about the context of south africa is part of the reason why people don't understand where trevor Noah was coming from mm-hmm. because all we know about south africa was mandela apartheid activism mandela got free everything's fine now that is not the case right they number one the 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 truth and reconciliation process that they went through there has never been such a process in the united states ever mm-hmm. so even their level of discourse around race is just more nuanced um has more of a idea around accountability but through a peaceful process right um and dialogue and you know communication all of these different things so there's that and then there's also the added straight up ignorance of 
um, most Americans of what the conditions are um, and what that actually looks like to where the power differential between black folks and white folks in the United States is such that we're not even on a we're not even in the context of being able to have a dialogue with white folks about accountability because they literally deny that race is an issue. Right. Continually, repeatedly on both sides of the political spectrum, all of those things. And so we can't even fathom a black person who understands that there are white people who really understand that racism is wrong and that racism is systemic right. because we live in a country where they won't even admit it. They say things like I'm colorblind. Right. Right. I don't see that, <laughs> you know, and I remember, uh, he is his, um, late, you know, uh, of the late night people, his part where he talked about Philando Castile to me, touched me. Like that was the most, um, that was the best coverage of the Philando Castile verdict that i heard because and and i think it's because he was genuinely shocked like yes exactly he's like it's like i can't believe there's a country where that tape exists and this and this officer doesn't go to jail and those are you know i think those are valuable moments because uh he is teaching a mostly white audience through his they're watching that too like it's not just uh i already know how i felt about it when i first heard about it but right there's a lot of people that are like but even Trevor's affected by this and we're going to need those folks too. Um, as far as, uh, mm-hmm. to witness those things. Um, how do you keep your faith in people, man? Cause I know after, um, you guys protested at Netroots, uh, the response on social media and stuff like that was just so harsh. And in the, and in the media, media, like TV is, you know, your pictures on there and they're, you know, they're, they're Listen, you know, I per- just want to use this opportunity to clear mm-hmm. up the discrepancy about whether or not I was paid by George Soros. I've never <laughs> received a check. <laughs> if there's one available, you know, you can contact me. You too. So receive it. He owed me but... some coins too, dog. <laughs> apparently, I was an he operative <laughs> for Bernie So Black. Uh, I, apparently, I uh, first of all, I knew uh and plan for that to go viral i you know i i typed it in and i said uh voila and i walked away um (laughs) and i knew because you know how we always know which tweets are gonna go viral and um and and i remember um it got so bad with the harassment and stuff um one time i was linked to a reddit thread and in the reddit thread they were like yeah he was paid by george soros and i'm like i don't even know who that is Uh, that? right i'm like he paying people because like what what i what i gotta do i mean i already did the work for free apparently i didn't even know but can i get can i get some coins on the back end maybe it'll make up for this harassment like what um how like what is the uh like what was that backlash like for you after that the backlash so this is where i you know and again i'm from arizona okay born and raised i have literally faced down armed white rednecks okay at protests Mm. i have never feared for my life and felt threatened physically threatened until the netroots protest Mm. because liberal white people who got angry at us for interrupting and you know as far as they're concerned disrespecting bernie sanders 
but Rod, I'm not exaggerating, confronted us physically. Wow. Like in your face. I had a like six foot three large white man get very close to me. And I, when I realized that he was, you know, being hostile and what he was saying to me, I had to, like, I screamed on him and was like, <laughs> somebody come and get this guy. He's attacking me. Right. Um, and it was almost like, and this is what I love about um, black people. You know, you talk about how I keep my faith in humanity. Yeah. The way that we were able to kind of coordinate um, and look out for each other and very quickly make the decision like, okay, we all need to leave. Let's get out of here. Um, and really, you know, had each other's back instinctively um, really helped me to understand that the issues that we're talking about, again, it might be fun and cute and tweets for some people, but this is about our humanity mm -hmm. um, as black folks in the diaspora. And may it, you know, never be made as clear to you as being shot or having to defend your right to call out these issues um, to other white people, because it was it. If I wasn't already, you know, a radical and woke and all that other good stuff, like that moment did it. And I know it did it for a lot of other black folks. Um, and even the discourse on Twitter, like Bernie So Black hashtag will live in infamy because of how it just captured the hypocrisy um, of white folks of all sorts, but especially mm -hmm. those people who call themselves like the friendly white folks who are quote unquote on your side. I didn't know there's a side to my humanity. Right. Um and the way that I the way that I keep my faith is that, you know, I have faith in God, I'm a believer and I know that the the work that I'm doing, the the work I've been privileged to be a part of through Black Alliance for Just Immigration, the people that I've met, you know, this is a call that is on my life is to advance justice in love. That's my that's what I'm here to do. Um and I know and understand through having, you know, worked directly with being a directly impacted person myself um, and working with other directly impacted people. I see just the beauty and the strength that we have. And I know that if that's what exists within us, um, there has to be hope. There has to be. And I, that's how I, you know, the, how I keep my perspective is not just on looking at how bad things are and how sordid and, you know, far from God so much of humanity is I keep my perspective on you know how beautiful and powerful and resilient um folks are in the face of uh systemic oppression and mm -hmm. I really have to you know like you know keep my mind stayed on Jesus because I have to be honest when I woke up um on January 1st the first thought in my mind was oh I can't stand white people. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, 20 days from inauguration day. Yeah. And that was like my first lucid thought. And I said, oh, no, Tia, this isn't healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny because I feel like people that are activists and stuff, like, um, I'm sure, like, it's overwhelming cynicism that you have to face. You know what I mean? Because yes. you do have to watch how many people in the world that are just like anti you, like as a human, as a concept at a human <laughs> being at a record label, they are just anti you. Um, but something motivates you to get up and believe that people can change or at least be made to change, uh, made aware. 
um you know uh uh, harriet tubman like literally had visions of god like uh like um uh i remember uh, james baldwin says uh he had hope because he wakes up every day and like as long as i'm alive i gotta have hope like like that's that's the two choices so um yeah it's it's interesting to uh to you know because i i lose my faith in people so easily at times i'm just like and this is why we deserve the shit we have because y'all ain't shit and then uh, and, <laughs> but but everybody's trash right but but there are moments and and people that do inspire me and you're you're definitely one of those people um that uh um so yeah man you uh that was like super um like not just the net the net roots thing but just you know as a as a human being like you're a very inspirational figure um also um the other thing that I think is funny, um, uh, when it comes to like, uh, getting our, uh, uh, like having hope in people, I feel like we need inspirations. Like, um, are there people that have inspired your activism or that inspire you like kind of every day? Yes, definitely. So, you know, I shared about my mom, Ellen Oso, who was my first example of what it means to like stand up for justice. Like, and, um, my mom literally like rousted a crack house out of our neighborhood she used to lead like community cleanups where we would literally like walk the streets of the neighborhood and pick up trash and broken glass and things like that Mm. and um she's really the she's my personal example and also just the epitome of how hard black women will go for the community Mm. um and so she inspires me you know harriet tubman for sure um really the like radical resistance of um, you know, enslaved African people who led uprisings, um, and like, you know, Nat Turner, uh, Queen Nanny of the Maroons, like resistance stories where people were like, give me liberty or give me death, you know, and I know it's a super, uh, you know, colonial, <laughs> record, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, give know, me liberty know. as a white man or give <laughs> right, me death. From what? From Texas? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> liberty for me specifically and no one else and no one else, but just me. Side note, you know, about how uh, people want black folks to protest peacefully, but this country has literally been overthrown at least one time and almost twice. Right, right. <laughs> By white people. Right, just because they was mad. Like, no. Angry. I had enough. Over taxes. Like, not even like actual injustice, but like, what? It's 15%? Like, <laughs> outrage. Right. Um, also, uh, Opal Tometi, my sister, my Niger sister who you know we literally people don't know like it's all glamorous and cute now and you know she's a co-founder of black lives matter Mm -hmm. she's actually the one who um helped to create the platform um that black lives matter you know lived on or was proliferated through and like did a lot of like the the structural organizing um for black lives matter to um exist and she and i used to meet in like church parking lots in phoenix and try to figure out like how are we going to get these black people together like people Mm. don't know the (laughs) the uh the things that we have been through in the trenches together and so she definitely inspires me um every single day as well and um yeah just loads of other um black women um who just put the culture on their back for a lot of reasons you know cardi b inspires me like Mm -hmm. just (laughs) yeah uh i feel like a lot of um there's not a lot of reverence or respect 
for hood individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of respectability politics that goes into, you know, what it means to be upstanding, um, our role model, our inspiration. And I come from a very, you know, hood round the way background. And just because I'm able to articulate myself well, um, it's not something that people assume about me necessarily. And I just feel like, there's no reason that we need to kind of sanitize ourselves in order to assert our humanity. Like we can be our full selves. Yeah. I feel like, uh, so much of, um, at least the place I'm at in life right now is about understanding and loving us where we are and then pushing Mm -hmm. us to be, you know, like I want us to be better. I think everyone in life should be trying to be better than they were yesterday. I don't think that's so controversial to say, but also like loving us where we are and like, sometimes i think about the critiques of our community and how much of it is just unfair and how like what's fair and what's not fair right like um i think it's fair to say um we can treat each other better i don't see how that's you know like a a horrible thing to think but you know it's unfair to say like we're pathologically uh criminal like it's Mm -hmm. you know it's unfair to expect there not to be a diversity of opinion like um you know sometimes uh i'll see people kind of articulate a nuanced point and uh they'll get jumped on because they're not in lockstep with what we decided that blackness should be on at that time right but but they're not but they're not you know and and, uh, i know i made a joke earlier but they're not coons like they're not i hate you niggas and y'all are holding us back as black people like it's but they'll say something like um i don't know uh you know uh it's difficult for me because uh my cousin was killed in uh in a a gang shootout so sometimes Mm -hmm. you know and i'm like i don't want to dismiss your emotions behind that because obviously that's fucked up that's terrible um but sometimes i think we're so scared that that black person is going to either reject us or they're gonna or they're gonna parrot some like white supremacist talking point and so we jump on them to get them back in line yeah um yeah. but it's like you brought up about um about like debate and intellectual like discourse and and, and quiet conversations um i do kind of feel like i want to be more towards the quiet conversation i want to have more discussion rather than debate because of that like i you know the reason we have this platform i want to go away from the spectacle of fighting each other but you're right we pick and choose our faves i think a lot of sisters love cardi b and they really lift her up now because it is kind of a rebellion you know like there was a like i don't know that cardi b is a perfect person obviously no one is and so it then becomes to some people about like tearing her down and wherever her anything she's ever said or done that's you know out of line she they like people are looking for the tweets like they just yeah trying to expose her right <laughs> right and, and i'm like but y'all do realize people are celebrating her because she's not the codified black academic like filtered focus group tested have the right answer all the time person right. like that's why they love her you know um uh when beyonce got super duper woke on the last album even though yeah. she's never shot away from blackness but that last album was like blood ale you know what i'm saying like Listen, beyonce's like i am grown and we are going to talk about it right and i remember people kind of like coming at her from these like almost like black academic angles of like mm-hmm. and i'm like but this ain't that like we have to learn to love people uh because we're not all gonna be the same and there's a lane for the like um 
there's a lane for the bell hooks as well as the beyonce like they don't have to be at odds like i don't think they have to, it has to be about one of them is right the other one is wrong it has to go but i feel like we often get into that you know i love so-and-so but i hate this other person because they disagree and uh that that's a fine line to balance you know no it definitely is and yeah you brought up so many good points i really think that um at the root of a lot of it um a lot of the turmoil that we have in our communities and this kind of wrestling to make folks toe a certain line you know that has roots in colonization honestly Mm -hmm. um and the way that we were able to resist um and the you know civil rights movement and assimilate into this country was to create a quote unquote like a you know united front and a unified front but that appealed to whiteness and white sensibilities and so that's where the you know dressing up for the civil rights marches and things like that comes from and because that's a way that we were able an avenue we were able to use through you know respectability um and decorum and being civilized um, because that's a way that we were able to fight for our, you know, humanity in this country right. and in other countries. Um, I think that that still that policing um, of what's dignified and what's respectable and who gets to be the face of our community, who gets to be a leader in our community and who we look up to. I think a lot of that pours over and spills over into it. And the issue that I take with it, um, especially like critiques of um folks like Beyonce or Nicki Minaj or Rihanna right. um, or Cardi B is that most people, because of the, you know, just like class structures of the United States, mm-hmm. most black women, right, are less than uh, academically, um, you know, PhDs. Right. Most women enjoy, you know, music and laughter and fun and being sexy and cute and yes, wearing weave and nails sometimes. Right. And it it shouldn't be such that I have to be serious and neutral and you know, assimilate to white ideals in order to be respected and you know, like you said, there are several lanes that we can all be in. We shouldn't have to fit into certain molds and certain boxes in order to, I feel like it's really about trying to justify um, our humanity. And then when we attack each other in that way, when we don't make room for one another um, or hold space for one another in a certain way, um, unless we agree with each other, it's like, right. well, you know, like everybody's being dragged or that person's trash or this mm-hmm. person's canceled. And it's like in real life, um, you don't need to be X out of the community because we don't happen to disagree. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's a way for us to, again, this is, you know, organizing philosophy. There has to be a way for us to agree on, uh, certain conditions that we're trying to work to meet and then have a diversity of tactics um and strategies to get us there and if the reason why you want um freedom if what freedom and liberty looks like to you is to not have any type of gun violence in your community and you're less worried about police violence right that's fine actually and valid and it doesn't invalidate your blackness to to be like that you know i grew up in a neighborhood where there was drive-bys and we had to sleep on the floor sometimes and 
I understand what people are saying when they say, right. you know, these are the things that I'm actually more concerned about than police violence. What's not okay is when we use those arguments against one another right. and not against the system. And like, this is, I'm just such a stickler for a political education and critical analysis is that we have to understand actually what's at the root of it. The root of, you know, intra-community violence is not because black people have a problem. Right. Exactly. Okay. I, I, uh, <laughs> I remember an interview Kendrick Lamar did. Um, and I like, listen, I love Kendrick, uh, but it's you know he also a nigga from compton that grew up right. with his friends getting killed mm-hmm. over gang shit like he doesn't have the distance from that to theor- to come up with these broad sweeping academic theories of exactly like to him it's just i like i oh don't he i look at myself and go why what's the value of a black life if i'm willing to take one over a piece of street that's not even mine Mm-hmm. And then I want to turn around and, and judge somebody else um, without even thinking about what that means for me. Like, to me, I'm like, wow, that's a deep philosophical question from a dude that, you know, uh, you know, is a, just a quote unquote, just a rapper. Like, I love that he's doing that introspection. I think a lot of us should. And instead, it's like, well, you know, white people are going to hear that and think that it's okay to kill black people with the police. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, we're we're so worried about what white people are going to (laughs) think. Yeah, right? Like, Cardi B. The discussion. I feel like, um, can we just accept and also because we, we give a platform and give like a greater weight to what, you know, um, rappers and other, you know, athletes and other people like that say, why couldn't we just take Kendrick's comments for what it was is like this is his perspective and his opinion mm-hmm. and you know it lacked an analysis of colonization right. and systemic racism in what he said in that soundbite okay right fine why can't we just take it for what it is i said um at the time i was like i it would be disingenuous for me disingenuous for me to be like uh i mean first of all nobody gets canceled i don't even like we i don't know i really wish people would even stop saying it because yeah we gotta stop saying nobody's that. ever been every all the hashtag canceled i don't is everybody still around like they just pop up and i'll be like oh damn i guess it didn't work so um <laughs> listen what but the thing is though it's i felt like a lot of people are being dishonest because we have those conversations intra-community all the time yes, all the time but he said that shit in rolling stone and it was like no, no see not in front of the white right people. right what the white people gonna think i'm like the white people don't care guys if they cared we would have solved this already but like, you know what white people do is the fox news right. and the rush limbaugh's who isn't it interesting Oh, there's just so many things I want to talk about with you. Isn't it interesting <laughs> how rap music is trash and low culture, but if a rapper says anything, it could be weaponized to explain the black condition. Immediately. Listen, uh, that was the thing that was weird about uh, Eminem at the BET Awards was, because oh, um, I saw like black people arguing with each other and I was like, I absolutely refuse to argue with another black person over Eminem. I'm not nope, doing I it. I sure won't. I sure thank you. Like too much stuff. Like have whatever opinion you have have it like i'm not even trying to fight you over it what i thought was interesting uh was i felt like the conversation all started because white people paid attention to this one hip-hop cypher because a white dude because it was because Eminem. the white dude was rapping yeah like i and you know what if that was the whole purpose was for him to be talking to white people about trump 
okay thank you mission accomplished i'm out i it just literally has zero to do with me um gather your own as they say like gather your own folk eminem yes yes and and i'm done with it um but i do think um there the 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 other point i want to make is sometimes there's this fine line between jealousy and justice like Mm. what like what are we feeling envious about like someone's platform the attention they got money you know and then there's justice right like for example i remember after um formation uh when beyonce performed that at halftime and just like stole i forget who was but was it coldplay was it youtube i don't know who it was but some white band yeah stole they whole (laughs) just just ganked they halftime like it became the beyonce formation halftime i think someone else was there too but i don't remember um but I Bruno Mars was there. That's who it was. Bruno Mars was there. But so. it was somebody else. Yeah, but nobody <laughs> but I don't cared. know who. Yeah, nobody cared. Nobody and cares. <laughs> she ganked that halftime. And I remember being like, one, super inspired, because she literally had put that song out the day before and stole my whole afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I couldn't believe someone was doing something so black at the Super Bowl. Like, just, no. oh my, like, I kept being like, are they going to shut it down? Are they going to make her wear something different? Are they going to be mad about her dances her dances out there looking like black panthers i said what yes. is happening and um within like i would say a day or so i started reading the think pieces because uh you know uh, on our podcast we definitely do stand for beyonce um and the some of the stuff i'm like this isn't even about her it's about jealousy that she's kind of in her in your lane a little bit like there was a guy who wrote a book uh, um a think piece that was like well beyonce still a capitalist and her da 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 neoliberal this that and the other and i was like yeah but at the end of this article you're linking me to sell to your book like you want Yo. me to buy like you ain't doing nothing for free right? either like it's very like no one person is above the economic system of our country like I don't think if we're going to change our country's economic system, it won't be because one person was like, and you know what? I am going to change the way the world works. Like, like if not by yourself, right? Like it would take (laughs) such a massive coalition and honestly, a lot of white people, um, to make this country reform in that way. So until then get your coins, like, and you're trying to get yours off of her. So what it like, it's the same thing and then I, at that it clicked then there was you know it's been a couple of years but it clicked at that moment i was like oh this is jealousy like this isn't there's a difference like there's there's a uh there's a this thing isn't right and and blah 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 and then there's a well this is the right point but i don't like who's making it i don't like who's making the point yeah and there's a lot of so i feel like the critiques of in particular beyonce's activism are really rooted in misogyny Mm -hmm. and anti-blackness because they create a they set a different bar for her to meet yes when all she is doing is expressing you know using her artistry and yes her platform that she's amassed through her own volition right and labor this is what she chose to do with her time and talent um they set a bar that's unattainable or a bar that she wasn't even trying to meet Mm -hmm. um in order to critique her and so i think that critical analysis is important but using critical analysis to attack a person that's beside the point like beyonce never said i'm the most woke 
you know, socialist and I'm bringing down the system by performing at the Super Bowl. That's not what she said. Right. She's, I am, you know, Beyonce, the artist, and I'm going to use my visibility and my platform that I have earned to bring attention to these issues in this particular way. And I feel like that whole year of performances that she did, um, the, the Grammys performance comes to mind with her and Kendrick doing Freedom. Yes. Like, that was the blackest thing oh my God. you're going to see on the Grammys. That, you know, black dancers dressed like, you know, sexy black panthers mm-hmm. standing in the X formation and the Super Bowl. Listen, mm-hmm. she's putting the culture on her back in her way. And you do you. And I feel like it also has to do with this kind of sense of, um, competition and degradation yes. as an academic why are you not poised and ready for when somebody makes a cultural intervention this is about now culture like strategy right um, when somebody makes a cultural intervention and opens up a space as an academic you should be ready right to right. come in and educate and engage folks and instead you've set yourself in opposition like i um was joking with a friend of mine. I was like, people don't know that there's going to be weave at the revolution. Like there's going to be weave and twerking. Like instead (laughs) of setting yourself up in opposition to the people who are now being awoken to these issues, you should be thanking Beyonce. Yeah. It's like, there can only be one. Like, and I feel like that shit is 100% about the white gays. Cause white people only see us a little at a time right like yeah yeah they're like uh ta-nehisi coats that's the black guy to go to for race he's right the black now guy right now right he's, and, I, and he's, i'm he's the new cornell right and then i'll watch us as black people kind of turn on slowly and turn on, on him right on, and i'm like Forgetting white attention <laughs> yeah i'm like y'all do know that he didn't like wake up and go the white people gonna love this book i'm sure when he wrote that he was like yeah they not gonna ever fuck with me again but it's cool i had to get this truth out and then blad out you know he's on colbert and and they're being like well do you have hope and he's like hell no have you seen this country and i'm like why are we turning upset at him when it's beyonce why are we turning upset at her like if anything uh we need more representation we need more voices we we need need more like i'm I'm not pushing to take the one person down that got through i'm trying to push three more people through so that we look and go look at this tapestry of black uh, excellence and opinion all together right now like look at exactly. that that's what I'm, that's the goal for me so yeah I, like i said it's a thin line between like that jealousy and that justice because i really feel like um you know if we examine where that stuff comes from um internally i feel like we'll get to a healthier place and i had to do it i feel like a lot of people have to do it where you know there's certain people that make your eyeball itch you know because you feel like they're the only one you know what i mean where you're like oh yeah. like i don't like do i have a like i disagree with a lot of things like uh say a Charlemagne or a steve harvey says or like i disagree with a lot of that stuff but my ultimate goal would be to have other voices out there that are being like oh no 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 this is why this is i disagree with that or here's another place you can go for an opinion from a black man that isn't so toxic you know like i need that too like i can't it can't just be about let's tear this guy down and now we have no voices like now nah, we got to have more so that's you know that's my goal yeah and i really appreciate that and i think you know podcasts in general and especially your podcast and um the work that you're doing is contributing to that and just strategically and you know energy wise it's a much better use yeah. of our time and energy and it's also a it's a 
it contributes to a more expansive um, way of being to, you know, add and to multiply and to have a diversity of voices and opinions instead of taking time and energy to to take somebody down right um or drag some specifically from the standpoint of where i feel like a lot of the academic analysis comes from you know they're theoretically they're trying to point these things out Mm -hmm. in advancement of the cause right so you should also we should just ask ourselves like is this going to advance the cause yeah you know that i'm trying to what is the cause even more (laughs) like is is the cause just me getting another speaking fee because i'm like what like what is the cause especially within the um black lives matter you know movement a lot of people's issues and beef with each other is that is somebody's getting a lot of shine somebody's getting a lot of speaking engagements now people writing books and right. making movies and things and the, some of the motivation um at the heart of it is hate um right. you know and jealousy and envy because i can you know say again that the it's not usually um a lot of it is not stemming from like actual political ideological differences it right. just isn't pretty much um i would say with the exception of maybe like <laughs> um like somebody like d-ray where people yeah. are like he's neoliberal right but a lot of the issue that people take with it is his visibility because if he right. was a neoliberal that nobody knew you they wouldn't have care. a problem right <laughs> yeah and, and honestly like that's also the white gays thing because white people have decided like hey <laughs> we're gonna call him he's on the short list of people we want to interview he's yeah. you know like he's the guy whose tweets we're gonna put on our tv show he didn't get to decide that you know someone exactly. somewhere else did that like i don't know duray like that i and like i don't know a lot of activists i quote unquote know a lot of activists you know what i'm saying like yeah, yeah. i know of their work um i'm not really uh i'm a friends with a couple people that are activists but it's to me like um I try to stay out of the beef thing because I legitimately, one, don't know who is I'm supposed to feel like is fake or whatever. Um, <laughs> what I do know is a lot of people's work is good work as far as uh, the goals of it, right? So, like, yes, exactly. is the world better served by uh, there being no uh, DeRay? I don't think so. I think the world is better served by him doing his thing should he be the only person that 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 people know like it should be more than like it should be more room for than just one person and i don't know that he would be responsible for uh like if he went away i don't think it would just go and now everyone else can come in it'd just be like and now we pick another one person right exactly we have to understand um you know and i'm really big on really understanding and having like a power analysis yeah d-ray doesn't control the means of production right right so he's not the one who is the actual gatekeeper he's going through the gates that are being open for him those gates were open for him because of certain you know channels and certain systemic you know um uh conditions and also because of um you know the political context that we're in right and like you said like we really have to you know understand that if he wasn't there it's not as though i would be the one you know that would right. be on like you know all the nighttime talk shows you know laying down my analysis i don't know if that is ever going to occur i mean right. i would love to but 
I don't know that, especially given that I'm the girl who introduced, you know, the term <laughs> systemic racism. Right, right. <laughs> in the I don't know that they want to give me another mic. I'll have to take the next mic I get. <laughs> Yo, also, but on the real though, that's one of the things I, um, that I always kind of point out is like, well, who gets through the gate? It's still got to be a person with the ability to make people comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a skill and it's also, um, while it can be a, a hindrance it also has also gotten progress for people in the past like uh it depends on the person and depends on the cause but you're not the people who keep the gates open are never gonna you're like that's why like uh people were like uh going back to trevor no like i don't like that they got this dude from none and i'm like okay here's the thing whoever got that spot black or white they weren't gonna be your super woke militant uh right because we that, saw what happened to larry wilmore's show listen i and I loved that show. Me I stand too. for that show. Um, and I still, I remember when it got canceled, I was on Twitter and I was like, man, I really hate that the show got canceled. What about all these black voices? I hope they find places and they are finding places. Uh, Robin Thede's show starts tonight. So like they're finding places and that's, that's beautiful. But some of these people I may never see again. Um, Holly Walker, um, Mike Yard, like the older yeah. black comedians, like they don't get the second and third chances to be on TV. So like, um i'm gonna miss those guys like i was really sad when it's canceled and i remember saying that and then like someone was like well what about that one show where he said this thing i'm like yeah that was you know bad show bad take i didn't agree with it and you know and it's like well that's why i'm glad they canceled i was like all right i don't even know what to say like what is the so then the show that takes their place (laughs) right i'm like you do know the show that takes their place won't be a black show so if the point is not now they have a new show coming in and it's not and the point is that now we have one less black platform right like i you know um and and like i said i i struggle with it but i'm trying to learn to love people where they are and especially like some people are just younger there we all went through the like super like i'm black y'all i'm black y'all like everybody's gone through that so i do understand the sentiment but i'm like I guess I'm at a point where I'm like, I'd rather have the black show that gets it right most of the time and they mess up sometimes like all human beings than the white show that I'm not, I don't even want to watch. Like, I don't even, like, I'm not even interested in that show now because I'm like, I had this beautiful blackness for a year and a half and it's gone, you know? So Exactly. Like, I have no <laughs> intention of watching that show yeah now, whatsoever the, all right so the last thing i know we went over time uh, but i've enjoyed talking to you so much um me too we didn't get to talk about um uh how black men hate you right <laughs> oh man listen uh i love black people and i love being a black man so much like <laughs> if they knew i feel like it wouldn't be this way but um but uh yeah so people that out there that listen to the show y'all already know the uh straight black men uh tweet i had um but i'll tell you this though man um it has died down since i muted that tweet and um i feel like slowly more people are having to at least shut up because it's getting so bad you know what i mean like it's like like every week there's like another thing where you're like "Mm, isn't that interesting that this black man decided to say such and such but mm-hmm. uh but yeah i i do think um uh, it's like pulling teeth when it comes to um getting black men to let go of misogyny and patriarchy because 
we really do think it serves us you know what i mean and it yeah doesn't. and it's a power source in the construct that we're in and yeah. when we decide to you know get free and really decolonize i've been really enjoying um the 444 discussions mm. and discourse around that the 444 syllabus and just the videos that yes. um content that jay-z produced because we don't you know a lot of times when black men are talking about you know misogyny and just issues that they're dealing with it is like your twitter battles with people it's right. like <laughs> you know a yeah. black man who's holding the line and a black man who's like i just think that we should treat women with respect right. <laughs> it's you know it's a it's as much um and like you were saying we're all connected and this isn't that all struggles are equal necessarily but it is just as much of a prison for us holding mm-hmm. on to it as it is for what we do to other people like obviously what we do is worse like you know killing somebody is worse than mm-hmm. your hurt feelings or whatever but but it's rooted in your captivity yeah. system we and can't we be that black men black men don't get to talk about right that right and existing in that we can't be fully formed human beings like we're not allowing yeah. ourselves to be human and this no one's doing this to us this is us like yeah. we you can free yourself of that if you're listening listen to this right now like you don't have to hold on to this like i'm trying to let go of so much of the stuff i've been programmed in my life because you know what what is the value of something that's holding me back right like um and and it's different for every person but i examine certain things i'm like i don't need to hold on to that i don't even believe in that so i do wish people and i think people are starting to but like this dragon uh tooth and nail it's it's kicking and stream and screaming um for this whole thing um uh, matter of fact getting to the thing i was gonna say is uh uh the take a knee protest that people are doing for the nfl right um which you know a lot of black men got activated by that like oh they mm-hmm. told they told Kaepernick he can't have a job Mm-mm. listen you know it's serious people who know like black fraternity life it's sorority life you know it's serious when kappas are organizing a protest yeah <laughs> that's how you know something is really going down yeah like it's like listen all of us are work now and we are um but i always kind of um i don't know side-eyed that protest a little bit because of how it like when it came to that one topic like a lot of black men got super militant but i'm like Mm -hmm. what about the rampant abuse and misogyny what about um the you know like all these other issues within the nfl before this that no one gave a fuck about and it was like well just shut up we here now and you know what i was like to a certain extent i'm like you know what the bigger great the greater good is that y'all are here now maybe this will change something and then um like cam newton calls a woman a female or ezekiel elliott gets uh, (laughs) accused of domestic violence and i watch everyone go right back to like and i'm trash again i'm like and i'm trash now again yeah you know what but that has a lot to do i've been um just learning more you know and trying to understand the dynamics between black men and women really from our own personal development right and really a lot of that has to do with that you know masculine energy of Mm. like dominance and control and like fiercely defending you know and so mm-hmm. that's why we could ride out 
for cap because right. this is wrong and just like i'm a black man he's a black man and that's it and so it's like it comes from a place of you know defending which that that strength is necessary but again you know when you look at like the creation of like black lives matter or other things that black women lead we come from a place of like for the greater good right and from like a more holistic standpoint um and that's why we need this shift and we need to wrestle through these things because it does end up actually opening up space for even black men to also be more fully themselves and fully human yes. um and that's what it's about but for people who are so strongly identified with the dominant mindset of masculinity it feels like a threat right right i was thinking about that today i was like um i was reading my friend's facebook post and she was saying how it was a joke but it was you know there's always some a little bit of truth in humor right she was like i'm finally at a place she was like every time i see a black woman if she's with a white man or something like i'll be rooting like go ahead girl and then she was like well if i see a black man with a white woman she was like i finally come to a healthy place where i can say he ain't that cute and I, it, one it cracked me the hell up right but then i was thinking about this and i was like i it's weird because um because of how we're uh conditioned via gender it's like women are just bred and taught and ingrained and like nurtured to be the support system right yeah, yeah. and men are by just by the uh the nature of how we treat women immediately put in a situation where we go and women are here to support us right are here to support me exactly and just to receive the support right so there's no like loyalty quote-unquote to that because it's not like only black women are are nurtured that way all women are nurtured to be are told to basically be a support system for some man at some point like that's your life goal is to then turn around and support some dude right um i like i i don't find it wrong to teach people to nurture i think that's beautiful i just find it odd that we don't see it as a masculine trait or something we would want to teach men to like we'll teach men to provide quote unquote we'll teach men to protect but the even within that there's a hierarchy right i'm providing right. for you which puts me above you above I, you exactly i'm protecting you this also puts me above you right but when i'm looking at like these marches and stuff like when there's a march for black women it's only black women out there when, yeah. uh, you know when uh, a sister gets shot by the cops there's so many black men that will then turn around and start like sounding like white people with the whole like well why was she why didn't she why just do what the officer say what did she say why does she have an attitude exactly yeah i um i noticed that specifically with the case of corin Gaines, and yes. then there's a woman um at arizona state university professor uh ursula i can't remember her last name right now who mm-hmm. is um assaulted by uh asu arizona state university police department officer and the discourse and it wasn't just black men black women get in on it too who were really like legitimately um questioning whether or not she should have had such an attitude and all of these things i was like this man dragged her to the ground and assaulted her for jaywalking and i went to arizona state university that wasn't even this thoroughfare the street Mm -hmm. that she was crossing wasn't a busy street right yeah it it doesn't even matter brutality why are we debating whether or not she deserved that treatment and yeah it's just so there's so many layers to it and a lot of it has to do with not because you know 
there's a difference between genders, but because of the lack of balance, the lack of respect, because of like the hierarchy that's ascribed to it, and also because we live in, you know, a patriarchal system, the privilege that is ascribed to men um, that also absolves them from accountability right so if a woman is less than nurturing or somehow doesn't meet a societal standard of you know women's role in society she will be dragged but if a man doesn't provide for his family if a man is less than you know chivalrous or courteous or you know doesn't defend someone in a certain situation his man has not taken from him Mm -hmm. at a societal level the way that women who don't you know, break our backs for everyone else are questioned and judged. It's why we question Amber Rose's motherhood, but mm-hmm. never, but never Wiz Khalifa's fatherhood, right? Right, like, right. Like they both out in the clubs, they both, both out doing out stuff. The streets. Like they, that's how they make their money. Like I ain't begrudging either one of them, it's but it's funny. Always, exactly. It's always a what a what about your son? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> my daddy is Wiz Khalifa. Right. Like <laughs> what about my daddy? I need help on both sides. You know, <laughs> on both sides. I like with um. <laughs> with the uh, future and Sierra and their child and people were so like just dragging her, you know, she's not worthy of Russell Wilson's love. (laughs) Oh, she's disrespecting future as a father. He disrespected himself. Right. Future just placed his own self. And the fact that it's immortalized, you know, by Jay-Z forever, I just feel like, I feel like we won that one. It's like, good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, you brought up 444 earlier, and uh, that was the conclusion I came to with 444 was just like, you know what, ultimately I'm just glad it, Jay got here. Like, it took him a long trip. Like, <laughs> it, boy, that's a long trip. And I know he still got ways to go, and I, I'm sure everything wasn't, you know, perfect in the uh, academic stance and now that i know there had to be some problems i saw people that still were resentful of the a society that will applaud the growth of a 50 year old man as opposed to what we say about young women i i get all of it i really do but damn man i'm so glad you finally got there like maybe somebody will listen you know what i mean exactly that's how i feel (laughs) i feel like you know all i will let other people make all the critiques and i you know, will snap right along. And also, I am glad that a black man that other brothers respect got there Come and on. is opening up this space because Lord have mercy. We yeah. need it. But yeah, like like I said, man, we're bred to, uh, we're not bred to see nurturing as a positive for, as men. And I think that's a huge, that's a huge disadvantage to us because uh, we need, not only do we need it as far as, uh, as, as a skill, right? Like, it's like how people go, well, if you're a man, you need to learn how to cook for yourself. I agree. I don't know why only women would learn be the only people to learn how to cook. That doesn't even make sense. Half the people on right. the earth are not women. Like learn how to cook. That's cool. But we don't extend it to other stuff that we call women's work. And women's work stuff is normally like the emotional labor and things of this nature. Mm-hmm. Like we need to learn those skills too. The valuable skills to have to uh, be supportive and to be, uh, especially if you're going to turn around and be half or you know whatever your relationship stuff is. If you want to be half of someone's life yeah dog you need to learn these skills too it can't just be one way but um listen or if you want to you know be the president of the united states it might be useful it right? might be useful it might <laughs> we see what happens when you put one of these totalitarian uh totalitarian um you know fake ass alpha man males in, in charge man that is what low-key though like um I, and i know we didn't even really get into your politics like that and uh i apologize because i know we've gone over time but low-key 
I always like Obama because of how much he loved Michelle. Like low key. Yes. Like I like I understand, you know, he bombed a lot of people and there's a bunch of negative things that people are gonna have to say and I think a lot of it's just the results of that office. Like I don't think anyone's ever gonna occupy that office that I'll be like, and that person did a perfect job. Like I'm always be like, Yeah, and then that you know, they did this thing and they did that thing. But low key that like the imagery of that family and seeing especially contrast to now seeing a family that like a, a couple that seem to have genuine love for each other right and uh i don't know like that'll always stick with me more than uh probably any policy or anything you ever like a scandal free eight years with uh him loving the hell out of three uh black women in his life right. and right um, you know a dude that was a feminist and outspoken and all that stuff and not scared and uh like i i wish more people would have uh embraced that part of him as far as um because you know people like the imagery of oh black man in office we had a black president but then i'm like okay brothers but what about like his 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 his, his allyship to lgbtq movements what about yes. his his love for um black women what about his uh you know uh the fact black that, women children yes you know the environment his diplomacy right you know a lot of a lot of there there is symbolically um and you know kind of energetically a lot of value to what the obama presidency brought to us right um you know we have been talking for a while and you know you can have me back on and we could get dig into yeah we you know politics more um but yeah no i i i am on the same page with you about that for sure yeah we got to do that man i didn't know this was gonna go so great so i didn't i, I know <laughs> I, I was like oh my god i was like talk to an old friend um but listen guys if you want more of this follow tia uh, on twitter at tia underscore also go to her website tia also.net um i know you're also speaking um now you're also um uh is there any other place that people can find you um, folks can find me. I have a Facebook page, Tia Oso, and um, I'll be posting a lot of just, you know, I'll be posting more updates soon. I, from, you know, all my activism and organizing and then the cherry on top of last year's election, I have taken myself off the front line mm. of organizing and um, giving myself a break and a sabbatical this year. And so I have um, a lot of things in development yeah. that I'll be, um, you know, rolling out. Um, but right now I'm just kind of, you know, giving myself a break, you know, pulling off my super black woman cape for a little Listen. while. Um, so, yeah, folks can tune into my twitter facebook and the website for updates and things two things about that one um i understand okay it's open season out here be careful people like this is not like this ain't like before you know what i mean it's not it's not um so yeah be careful out there and then two thank you you know you uh like i said you uh you're an inspirational person and you do so much and um also you know like i said when you got on that um that stage man i was i was just so inspired and i remember um whenever i would get interviewed afterwards they, it was so funny they were like we want to interview about this trend hashtag i was like okay but i wasn't even on the stage i didn't like what about that though like let's go back to the and i was yes. like name dropping people and they were still like uh, uh they're just so sloppy like the media is so sloppy like I would be like, well, y'all should interview Tia Oso. Like, y'all should interview people. Mm-hmm. And, and they're they, like, yeah, that's nice. Yes. And then, 
and then in the article they'd be like black lives matter activist rod mar i was like no i right, no, right. i didn't know do not put that on me Everybody was a Black Lives Matter activist except for the co-founders and the people doing that. Oh my God, man. Like, I, like, uh, I know you talked about, um, the organizing of it, uh, which is like a brilliant structure, but oh my God, the media completely just like threw that away. Like, they were just like, nope. It doesn't compute to have and, you know, I've really learned a lot about this since the time. It doesn't compute to have an uninvited, you know, full-figured, nappy-haired black woman mm. running things and being the center of attention. And it was almost as though trying to filter all of that through all of our yes. <laughs> lenses, everybody was just like, so, and also part of it is um, the kind of, what we're talking about as far as black women's labor being expected is like, Oh, well they did that. And now we get to decide how we feel about it and talk about it. And Mm -hmm. we don't really necessarily need to ask them. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say shout out to Mark Lamont Hill. He's one of the folks who did invite myself and some of the other organizers. They had us on Huffington post live, like right after, Mm -hmm. um, and a couple of other times, there are a couple of folks who did, you know, get it, gave us the courtesy, right. of, Of follow up discussion. But, yeah there's just i just it's a it's a, it's a case study in media analysis it um, is um, and i know strategy wise there were people that were like well we don't want to do interviews yet or we don't want to go on every outlet and stuff like like i get that but in absent of people doing an interview i still don't understand how you then turn around and be like well listen any black person we talk to just call them black lives matter like <laughs> like how did that how did that step happen like wouldn't it just be like well we couldn't get a spokesperson for black lives matter but we got this negro you know what i mean and you know because the thing (laughs) is i feel like that's the beauty of you know just black people we're just we are magical you know people act like black culture black politics black everything just appears out of thin air yeah (laughs) snatch it and apply it however I would like. Oh, <laughs> that looks so beautiful. These are now box braids. <laughs> matter, that sounds catchy. Let me <laughs> That's what they mean. Black, black, they're like, uh, black girls are magic because they're invisible. We don't even see them. We just <laughs> right. take their work and we just pop up, guys. Real or is it a figment of our magic? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they're magical like that Harry Potter cloak where you just disappear. Like okay, uh, all right, guys, right. thank you so much, uh, Tia. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Um, I gotta have you on a regular show. I'm gonna hit you up about that so you can come yeah. out here from behind the paywall and talk to all the people. Um, and uh, like I said, follow her work, and uh, we'll be back with another one of these soon. Until then, peace out. <laughs>